Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So as usual, I have nothing else better to do on a weekend when I'm not mountain biking uh, or if it's raining, I'm podcasting. So uh, today I am recording with, yes, yet another new guest co-host for you going on almost four years now. I'm not able to run out of new talent, uh, but I'm excited about my new guest co-host today because uh, she and I run in some similar circles. Shout out to the Vinny Tortorich Circle of Influence. Uh, she's been on his show. She's been on a number of other shows that I also listen to. So I'm excited to bring her to you, my audience. And um, I'll just go with this. I mean, she's known as Dr. Kate, uh, but let me give you a quick background on her. Besides the fact that she's a great and powerful influencer in the health and fitness space and around diet, around Oh, gosh, obesity and everything else going on right now. Don't get me going on vegetable oils. We might talk about that today, too. All right. What's the truth behind healthy fats, people? Uh, but she's got a background in family medicine, biochemistry, genetics. Uh, she studied at Cornell, where my wife went to school. Uh, and it's also also authored three books. I'm still trying to get my first one out. And uh, one of those, uh, Why Your Genes Need Traditional Food and the Fat Burn Fix with Macmillan, that released in March 2020. And I'm excited, ladies and gentlemen, because I love promoting new authors, but I love promoting people who care as much about health and, and awareness on this as much as I do. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kate Shanahan, a.k.a. Dr. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, thank you for freeing up it a Saturday. Is. So it's like we have nothing else better to do, right? We're not allowed outside or very sure. much outside. Yeah, we're, we're trying to maximize our, our social distancing, our stay-at-home guidelines. And uh, now you did mention you were airing from Florida, correct? Yeah, I'm outside of Orlando, a little town called Mount Dora. It's beautiful here. Hmm. I have not been in Orlando, my gosh, since the millennium. So that was at 2000, 99, 2000. So it's been a while. <laughs> so I used to, I actually, I, no, I'll stand corrected. I forgot. I was there in January for a conference. But it's like when you fly in and you fly out and you Uber to the conference in the hotel, you don't you're not really in Orlando. I don't know. Yeah, you just go through the grid of like endless array of uh, red lobsters and Sonic, you know, yeah. fast food joints. It's all it all looks like strip malls in Orlando. Yeah, you know what? I had to get outside. Is there anything I can't say the word unique, but I mean, obviously people know of Orlando if you're a Disney fan as well. But for me, I'm not a, I don't care. I could care less about Disney, uh, but I love the fact when I go to cities and I travel, I love finding these like older niche restaurants or little places to go. But it does seem Orlando is very big and modernized. And do you have these niche little places to go? Yeah, there's some really great downtown uh, restaurants actually popping up where they they uh, do some really cool stuff with food, surprisingly, and thank goodness, because otherwise it would seem like a suffocating grid of, um, you know, middle American malls, outdoor malls. <laughs> that would drive me crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would also agree with you. When people are like, oh, do you, what kind of restaurants do you go to? I said, healthy ones. <laughs> and that's my first answer. Like, what does that mean? I'm like, well... Don't get I'll me tell you what it means. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, no what, what seed is, oils, right? Thank you. <laughs> it's a perfect segue. <laughs> how, how do you get into that? How do you, is there an easy way to get into that conversation? Because I, I've done a lot of influence over the years, helping people lose weight, health, fitness. I've been, when I'm not in my corporate gig years ago, I was teaching spinning classes at 6 a.m. I was a kid's ski race coach. So I've always been around the health and fitness sector. 
and I always, and I, it took me a long time to realize that you can't get through to the people closest to you. I feel like that could be a name of a book, by the way. You can't get through to the people that are closest to you. So when I try to explain what's going on in the big corporate restaurants, I'll call them that way, um, they don't understand. They they don't realize there's been some seed oil seeping in. Like why? I thought seed. I thought eating seeds were healthy for you. Like, right. Yeah. No, it's nobody talks about it. They don't have flavor and um, you are not allergic to them. So no one's it's not like on anyone's radar. And unless you're kind of in this underground fitness space where you understand what keto is or the heart of the carnivore diet or back 10 years ago it was the paleo diet uh, or ancestral eating. That's the nerdy way of talking about it. Um, I'm OK with it. I'll, I'll get nerdy. So I am, I am in that world. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's like the, um, it, it's like the, the unspoken, great unspoken, right? Because it's hard to talk about. It's not just one thing, you know, gluten is one thing, avoid gluten. You fix you, you just avoid gluten and bam, everything's going to get better. At least that's what it's you know, been very well marketed. They talk about, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's simplistic. It's simple. I, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm, I'm saying it's simple. And it it's an interesting way to get started on cutting out your intake of processed food, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because if you cut out gluten, at least back 10 years ago, you there wasn't any processed food that you could have. So it worked a little bit better back then. But, uh, but there's six major vegetable oils, also known as seed oils. And then there's two that restaurants use. So it's like this, there's eight things you have to know. And that's just so hard. Right off the bat, it's hard. Yeah, but, a lot um, of people are held back just because of that What you just went there with is that they don't want to make it complicated. That's, right. that's like the common thing I hear, like, I just want to go and enjoy my dinner. And I said, well, I agree with you, but I want to literally enjoy my dinner by knowing what I'm putting into my body. And a lot of people don't take that as seriously. And nowadays, we really do need to take it more seriously. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is playing out. What's happening right now, we're kind of in this coronavirus right now as we're recording this, because we're in the midst of a big, fat experiment and, and it's because it's complicated and people don't want to talk about it, that this experiment is, is really gone, like undiscussed, it's secret. Hmm. But if I were to describe the experiment in one sentence, it would be, what happens when you take fat that's supposed to be in seeds and put it in people? Hmm. <laughs> so animals are supposed to store animal fat, right? right? Seeds store plant fat. Okay. And human beings are supposed to be built out of fats that are animal in animals, right? We're right. supposed to be eating animal fats because our body fat is built out of the kinds of fats that we eat. Yes. In a lot of ways. But in in the, the what the most confusing and most important part of this is that when we eat plant fats, they're high in this kind of fatty acid that there's our body has very little use for. You have very little use for these kinds of plant fats that everyone's telling us to eat and are secretly swapping out. You know, like we can't, we can't even almost find um, uh, like real whole food fats anymore. It's very difficult to get, for example, flavored yogurt that that isn't fat free. Oh, trying to find a full fat, like natural full fat, full fat yogurt is 
very hard to get, right? Yeah, um, I mean, unless you're in a specialty store. What What upset me was a couple of years ago, I, I posted it on social media, and the company actually commented back on my post, uh, Carrie Gold of Ireland. Uh, so my bloodlines stem there, Scott William Mulvaney. <laughs> and uh, I'm a huge Carrie Gold guy, right? Love my grass-fed, but I grew up on a farm. So my father and my brother are still organic cattle brokers to this day. Wow. Uh, here, in, here in Pennsylvania. So I'm, I'm very in touch. I have a quarter of a steer in my freezer in the basement right now. So uh, <laughs> I take my, my, my lifestyle very seriously. Awesome. But when I walked into Whole Foods a couple years ago, and I go to get my my, uh, my Kerrygold, and then I see this different colored Kerrygold. There's like three, four versions of it now. And I'm like, why, why are they coming out with other versions? It's already perfect the way it is, right? <laughs> right. And then I see with canola oil oh my god and i was like hold on why are we adding in some other oil and that and so i made a post all about it and they wrote back on the post they said you know thank you for giving us a shout out whatever but you know that that is because our customers wanted a smoother butter to smear and i was like <laughs> okay so you're listening to the demand of of uneducated consumers not everybody knows what we know right okay so i, I I want a smoother butter. I can't just let it sit out for five seconds and let it warm up. But I, I go ahead and make that smooth right away, and let's put canola oil in there. And people don't I mean, understand how bad that is. No, they don't. But I mean, at least if they were seriously interested in health, they could have at least used olive oil, right? But again, that's more expensive. Right. So why would they do that when people don't appreciate it? But <laughs> but I mean, so the, so so the thing is that the results. So we've been in this experiment, and we've been. We've we're we've been building these human bodies out of of fats that are supposed to be in plants, right? And that we and we can't not put them in our body fat. We, there's nothing else to do with them. Our bodies don't really want to use them for energy mm -hmm. either. Because it's, it's not the same fat. I mean, there's, there's different fat profiles, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the key. That, not all fat is created equal, right? Like yeah. so. Uh, so the kinds of fats that are in these seeds that we've all been unknowingly consuming these seed oils are are they're called polyunstable polyunstable they should be called that they they're should called, be actually yeah, <laughs> yeah polyunsaturated right. and they're unstable so that's why they stay liquid in the fridge like if you are or that's why they're softer right that's mm -hmm. why they add them because they're unstable so they're not like as literally molecularly they're not as straight or stiff so let's pause stack. on that so obviously coconut oil. AKA, ladies and gentlemen, when you see these supplement companies selling you MCT oils, it it's coconut oil. I mean, MCT, medium chain triglyceride, right? Coconut <laughs> oils. Uh, you put that. If well, actually, I don't. I never put it in the fridge, but in the wintertime, it does stay solid in the jar. And then in the summertime, that the ambient temperature of my household does liquefy the coconut oil. Uh, but that's a medium chain triglyceride. That is not the same fat profile as a seed-based oil. So. That's right. It's it's saturated. So the medium chain triglycerides are are all uh, that are in coconut oil are also saturated, meaning mm -hmm. they're stiff and straight. And that stiffness makes them harden as much as like a wax would be hard. You know, in, in when the coconut oil gets cold enough, it's wax hard. You got to pound at it with a, a sharp knife to get it out of there. Yeah, that's because it's stable. It turns out that the best fuel for our body cells is these more stable fats, the saturated, and then the kind that's also in olive oil and uh, uh, certain nuts like uh, almonds. Um, 
called monounsaturated. That is the kind of fuel that our body fat is supposed to be made out of. All other animals in the animal, animal kingdom, their body fat is also made out of mostly these saturated and monounsaturated fats with just a teeny tiny little bit, maybe like three to 5% of the polyunsaturated fatty acids. But Dr. Kate, I mean, I'm hearing about stiff fats and you know, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight and I, I have fun with this because, you know, I've worked on the fat of documentary project. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, we all have this, a lot of same of the colleagues here and I'm like, but, oh yeah, but you're, you're asking me to put stiffer, rigid fats into my body. Aren't they going to stick in there or whatever? And, and I got to give a shout out. Do you ever, you ever, uh, read the book from Dr. Sylvia Tara, the secret life of fat? I didn't. I, I did kind of read a lot about it. Yes. Yeah. And she talks I had about her on years ago, hormones and stuff. She taught me so much. Like I, I've, I've already been studying fat and, and, and obviously fat is energy. I am a fat adapted athlete. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I attempted my first hundred mile mountain biking race, not road biking race last year, completely fat adapted. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm all about this, but people don't understand that. I learned from her, for example, that yes, if your fat cells are finding stuff in the bloodstream that doesn't belong and your body's not processing, it's not expelling it, getting rid of it, your fat cells are actually really intelligent. They will try and protect you. So they will pull bad stuff out and store it. So like you were hinting at the seed oils. Is that part of what's happening here? Is like if our bodies can't process these polyunsaturated fats and we can't actually get them back out of the body in the right way, they're being stored somewhere, right? That's the place they get stored is in our body fat. Absolutely correct. Okay. And that is a problem because for one thing, they are, because they're unstable, they tend to break down. And so at some point, our body fat becomes a source of inflammation. Hmm. Um, So instead of like, I'm sure in her book, she talks about there's like this healthy, metabolically healthy fat versus metabolically unhealthy. And I don't know if she talks about it, but the reason people have metabolically unhealthy fat is not genetics, it's not sugar, it's not insulin, it's because they have too much polyunsaturated fat in their body fat in storage, more than the body was designed to be able to store. And it's just beyond the capacity of what our cells can manage in terms of controlling reactions. Our cells need to be able to control everything that happens inside them. Mm -hmm. And when you have too much polyunsaturated fatty acid in in there, it's unstable and it reacts with oxygen, it reacts with metals and it starts to break down. And when it breaks down, it causes damage. It causes inflammation. It causes cellular cytokines to be released. And if cytokine, maybe if you've been listening to the coronavirus news really closely lately, Mm -hmm. cytokine storm is a thing now. Cytokines are things that your body, re- your cells release when they're in trouble, when they're trying to fight off an infection. And the reason many people are dying in intensive care units from the coronavirus is because of something called a cytokine storm. So being and like that, overloaded, basically. Yeah, the the risk, the normal immune system response goes haywire, and there's just massive amounts of uncontrolled inflammation. Wow. And there's one reason this is happening and nobody's talking about it. It's because people, their body fat is made out of polyunsaturated fatty acids way too much. What happens when you're in the hospital sick enough where you have to be in the hospital? You generally don't eat much. So you are burning your body fat and all that stored 
polyunsaturated fatty acid is now being released into your bloodstream, maybe for the first time in years. Well, that along with any other toxins that your fat has also been helping pull out, right? Because a lot of people are living in very toxic lifestyles. That's, that's the other thing that are stored in our fat cells. Like there's a lot of other stuff in there too that, to your point, can get released. Because I'm a big practicer of you know intermittent fasting, 48-hour uh, fasting. Uh, I, I do have supported, but I, I have learned that over the years. I've been doing it since 2010. So I've been playing in the, in the, in the fasting game for a decade. <laughs> so I believe in the type one or the, the N1 experiment, right? You can't talk about it unless you've actually experimented with it, tested it, et cetera. But I've learned that. Like in back in the day when I used to be a firefighter after my corporate life, uh, that was part of the reason why there's fire in the logo. Um, you know, I'd beat the crap out of myself for six months fighting those big wildfires out west. And then I had all this toxic stress and buildup. And that's what I learned about the, the extremes of stress and those types of really aggressive careers. But then I would go through these detox processes and it would I would feel like crap. I had no idea what I was releasing out of my storage and I felt it. It was it was that rough. That first couple of times I did it, man, my I was not feeling good. And I learned yeah, that. It's like, right. oh well, yeah, you're probably being bombarded with all those toxins back into your bloodstream again. So, so what so. happens when our diets are so full of these seed oils, like, you know, and perhaps this played a role in it when you're traveling and you're eating fast food or they're feeding yeah. you whatever cheap stuff that, you know, it, it has to travel really far. I don't Fire know what, camps were not what, really good food. Yeah. So I would, I would bet that your diet was much higher in polyunsaturated fatty acids. And so what happens is your body fat, you know, stores it all. And how much we're talking about is is super important because most of the other toxic things in our environment, if you were to get like, um, you know, tested for toxins, they're present in your body in nanogram amounts, like one billionth of a gram, you know, that, that's how they're measured. Uh, one billionth of a gram per whatever the unit is, milligram or deciliter, which is a, a, a tenth of a liter. Um, but the, the polyunsaturated fatty acids are present in your body fat in pounds right? Wow. So a, a normal human body can handle, like if you're normal weight, you can handle about 1.5 pounds of these polyunsaturated fats. Okay. I've done the math. That's if you're, if, you're, if you're at a healthy, healthy weight, weight ratio, right? Yes. Okay. Because modern body fat and the modern diet is so high in these things, modern body fat is ridiculously high in them, 10 to 20 times more than we're supposed to have. So instead of 1.5 pounds, you have 15 pounds. That's 15 pounds of a material that your body can't use in any way. It really can't. So, it, I mean, it can use, it needs a little bit for building blocks, but it, it, it doesn't need that much. We need, you know, a couple grams a day. Okay. So the pounds that we have of extra have nowhere to go, but they just stay in our body fat. And, and occasionally if we do go long enough between meals that we're burning some of our body fat, they're released into our bloodstream where they can cause problems if the concentration released is high enough. And this happens, uh, you know, the, the thing that, another thing that makes this uh, difficult for even doctors to get is that we're not born with this high concentration of polyunsaturated fatty acids in our body fat. We're born with a proper concentration, but right. because our diets are so high in this stuff, they build up over time. And that amount of time depends on your diet and your body's ability to, well, it depends on your diet, but your body's ability to handle it when you get into trouble mm depends on your diet and your genetics, right? So some people can handle a little bit more before they get into trouble. But usually I'm start I'm seeing, you know, we're seeing children now with with diabetes oh, and stroke. That is right. so oh, it drives me nuts. I 
that's a whole <laughs> that could be a whole podcast just on child obesity and like yeah. this is this is our fault like mankind was never born that way no this, this is and years of the wrong path you do not get that without the seed oils and so one of the and people are talking about you know a lot of stuff mm -hmm. And the seed oils get drowned out in the noise, but the seed oils are the most important thing. People are talking about fructose and yeah, that's not great, but without seed oils, you don't get insulin resistance. Take a look at this. So this is in um, my book, Fat Burn Fix. Yeah, I see that graph, <laughs> yep. Is so that, is that have, PUFA? Oh, the PUFA-driven yeah. disease, the diabetes. There's actually mm -hmm. a, a terminology for that, right? What is, is that PUFA an acronym? Uh, polyunsaturated fatty acid. Okay, there's the PUFA. <laughs> so, so you can see now that there's total parallel lines there. There's the red line and what's the other color there? It's like a dark orange. Yep. The the big red line on top, that's our consumption of PUFA over the past hundred years. Okay. And the the orange, dark orange line is type two diabetes. Okay. So you can see they parallel each other. Look at that skyrocketing. Skyrocketing. And you'll see carb consumption on there also. It's, uh, what color is that one? That's the yellow one. And you can see that our carb consumption has gone up a little bit since the 60s, but not over historic time. Now, of course, we are eating different kinds of carbs, but um, but the, the like obvious thing on that graph is that there's a perfect correlation between PUFA consumption and type 2 diabetes. Okay. Type okay. 2 diabetes is new. Type Type 2 diabetes is the insulin resistant kind, the kind that um, you know you, you eat your way into. Type 1 diabetes is very different, totally different disease, has nothing to do with it. It's very unfortunate that they have they share a name and it, it's you know confused doctors for a long time. But um, type 2 diabetes didn't exist until seed oils existed. Okay. Fructose has always been with us. There's rice has been with us for, I mean, not, well, actually, yes, fructose has always been with us because there was fruit before there were people. Rice has been cultivated for millennia. Um, carbs have been around for a long time. That's not what's causing the insulin resistance that drives type 2 diabetes. That's what's making it, oops. Oh, I'm screen sharing. Oh, cool. That's what I'm, I'm, um, in, I'm inside of your book on Amazon. So. <laughs> I thought it was like a, uh, you know, a coronavirus. Oh yeah. The zoom, the, what do they call it? The zoom yeah. drop-ins or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is this the exact graph you were showing me in color, but I obviously I'm looking at it in black and white right now. Or is yes, this, this is the exact graph, except instead of, um, diabetes, this one shows obesity. And, um, so you can see that it also is a, is a great parallel, wow. but the diabetes is perfectly parallel. And, um, and that's, I, that's really like a more important point. And, um, I was torn when I had to decide what to stick in the book, but it was a weight loss book. So that's yeah, kind of yeah. why I went with that one. <laughs> and again, for but, people listening right now, I, and I'll, this will all be linked in the blog show notes, but we're, we're sharing the new book, the fat burn fix boosts energy and hunger. Uh, and I'm, I'm in the Amazon page right now, just looking at the insides of the book. So, uh, but yeah, this is a scary graph. Very. Yeah. And, and like, I, I, I'm dry. I, I just can't drive the home point home enough that these vegetable oils cause insulin resistance. And if you don't know what insulin resistance is, you probably have it. Hmm. I mean, I'm, that's, I don't mean to be flip, that's but interesting. That's... <laughs> I never heard it said that way before. If you don't realize you do have it, you do have it. I mean, if you don't know what insulin resistance is, then wow. you're not part of this whole conversation of what real nutrition is. And you probably have insulin resistance. Hmm. Um, I, I, in my experience, 
a hundred percent of the people who are, you know, 10 pounds or more overweight are insulin resistant. Okay. It's way underdiagnosed. Doctors don't know to look for it. You have to be a metabolic specialist. You have to be fascinated with uh, molecules and hormones and stuff. I've definitely like thrown I around am. the term uh, after learning from lots of great influencers like you, the uh, understanding the importance of being metabolically broken. Um, and, and that's been a big part of this discussion, right? Is that, is that a fair terminology to be using, uh, once you, if you understand it? Yes, 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 <laughs> okay. yes, yes. And everybody uh, who doesn't know what insulin resistance is and has been eating seed oils is metabolically broken in the same way. And I'm just flipping through because there is, um, another image that, uh, that I have in the book. Oh that, yeah. That shows Tell me what page I'll bring it up. The diabetes. I'm looking for, I can't find oh, you're, that's fine. it. shows the diabetes spectrum. Oh, I just woke into it. I got lucky. 54. Um, it shows the diabetes spectrum. That is important because it shows the, that you are on your way to developing diabetes. Okay. If Again, if you don't know what insulin resistance is, you are probably on your way. You probably have it. And if you have it, you are on your way to developing diabetes. So this is that timeline right? I'm looking at right now. Hypoglycemia then moves on to insulin resistance, then prediabetes, and then diabetes. Correct. Okay. And so hypoglycemia, if you want to like understand what the very beginning signs of a broken metabolism are, hmm. they are it's the symptoms of hypoglycemia, which means low blood sugar and refers to symptoms like anxiety dizziness, brain fog, heart palpitations, shaking that occur when you have gone too long without eating. That's interesting. And because then people, when I, I get into these conversations once in a while, it happens. And uh, people who don't understand and they're like, well, wait a minute, you're Mr. Intermittent fasting guy. So you're not, you'll wake up in the morning. Like I, I had my coffee this morning with some heavy whipping cream in it and I haven't eaten yet. And it's almost two o'clock in the afternoon. So, but people are like, well, aren't you messing with that too? <laughs> how, how do you want to answer that, Dr. Kate? <laughs> so intermittent fasting is something that um, we all used to do and we all should be able to do it. And, you know, when I was a kid, we did it without really thinking about it. Like, you That's know, I, <laughs> we go out and play and then um, you would be playing for way too long and you'd come in like three o'clock four o'clock and you'd be like man i've been playing all day i'm kind of hungry i guess i don't know anyway i want to eat something yeah. and your mom would say no it's too late you're gonna spoil your appetite yep. well that that happened in my family all the time um because we didn't have snacks around that's true and we didn't <laughs> and so we just started playing some more and forgot about wanting food that is a normal metabolism. That's intermittent fasting. Okay, now we call it intermittent fasting like it's this big deal. Oh, yeah. It's, but... it's, a, whole, it's a diet craze, <laughs> which I hate the word diet, by the way. So I'm glad you didn't use that in your book because like fat burn fix. Thank you. It's educational because I've made I've taken the position over the past couple of years that diet is now should be considered a bad four letter word. And because I'm a marketing professional, I can say that because all of the rags, the magazines, women's health, men's health, they're all like the latest diet, the latest craze. So yeah. psychologically, it has programmed people to think about a short-term fix, not a long-term yes. sustainable lifestyle. So I want, well, I like to hear the word lifestyle now, not diet. So 
Well, you are you are you are um, actually channeling the introduction to the fat burn fix because oh. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I have come to understand in 20 years of trying to help people lose weight and gradually getting better at it, thank goodness, um, is that what I learned a, a, in the weight loss academy, or which is uh, known as the American um, Obesity Association Association, or it used to be called the American Society of Bariatric Physicians. Anyway, the weight loss mm. doctors was that you need to give people fast weight loss because that keeps them motivated, right? You got to get them to lose that pound per week or whatever. Because they, yeah. they got to see that number on the scale coming down or they're going to give up. That has failed. I mean, hello, how much more proof do we need other than just looking around yeah. that or going shopping at Walmart um, that that has failed? You know, well, I mean, it, but it doesn't it go back to contributing to be uh, adding more problems into that metabolic metabolically broken equation, right? Because you said earlier in the show that that little hint there about hormones and everything else, like all that stuff is tied into that circle of influence. And you're, start, you're starting to completely reprogram your hormone alignment in a wrong way too. And now you got to break that. Like yes. it's, you're creating a bigger, bigger storm, bigger problem. There are four things that are broken metabolically. One is your body's ability to produce energy in your mitochondria. So every cell in your body is mitochondria. They need to make their own energy. If they can't do it properly uh, with body fat, they're going to seek sugar. That's a huge problem. That's why people get on the diabetes spectrum. Mm -hmm. The second system in your body that regulates energy are the hormones. And when you have um, insulin resistance, your insulin is always high and that traps your body fat in your body. So you get sugar highs and sugar lows. That's how you develop these hypoglycemia symptoms. Your sugar doesn't really get that low, but you feel that it's low. And, um, and, and that's the hypoglycemia. And I actually had that when I was, before I knew any of this, even as an athlete, I thought I was healthy. I had good body weight and everything. Uh, but well, that, so I talk that, about, that, there's four systems that I talk I about. I appreciate you bringing that up just now because that helps people understand. That's part of the reason why I've enjoyed, uh, again, when I mentioned Dr. Sylvia Tara a couple of years ago and all her research and what she did in her book, like she, she brought herself into the story. Like it's okay. People like, uh, you might, you might appreciate my new term for the past couple of years to thanks to podcasting is I say, listen, whether it's personally, professionally, health, nutrition, the story of entrepreneurship, me trying to become an author where you already are, like we're just all at a different place on the timeline. That's all it is. It's it's a acquisition of knowledge, execution on the knowledge, and then building a sustainable result from that. And maybe that's just because my brain is wired that way. But like, that's all it is. So you know more <laughs> about being an author now. I'm ca I'm catching up. Uh, I didn't know anything about this stuff. Now I try and pass this knowledge on to my own father, who's a type two diabetic. Never was until the past <laughs> eight years. And it's um. like these are all things that we triggered and from the wrong information. And That's right. just like with the movie we came out with, it's like, wow, if we could just try and reverse this. Um, but actually, it's almost like you can't go back in time. You got to go forward with just the right information. And hopefully it gets everybody reeducated and reprogrammed. And that's part of, I'm probably part of the passion behind your book, I'm guessing, right? Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, I was a doctor and I had the symptoms of hypoglycemia myself. Like I would I would have my cereal raisin bran for breakfast with my skim milk, or if I was really indulgent, I'd have 2% and added <laughs> sugar, of course, had to have more sugar on that. And so that would be at seven. And then by noon or one, whenever I got to eat my lunch, I'd be, my fingers were cold, I'd be shaky. Wow. I, I would be kind of like, oh, come on, just give me my lunch 
already. And those, that's hypoglycemia. So I was already on that diabetes spectrum and I had no clue. And I should have had a clue because my blood sugar was 113 fasting. So that, that was way out of range. And my blood tests at the time, they were horrible. My HDL was like ridiculous. It was like uh, 20 something. I mean, it was pathetic considering how much I exercised and I ate my vegetables every day, just like I was supposed to. Um, so that's the good cholesterol that is supposed to be over, you know, you know over 50 um, really. Um, but, but, you know, I had every sign of a broken metabolism and I didn't know it because this was in the nineties and there were not doctors talking about metabolism. There just, it wasn't around. I, I, I actually, you know, living in Hawaii all by myself, I had to figure all this out completely by myself. There wasn't even Google when I got started. <laughs> and the thing that got me, you know, into it was, um, I thought it was sugar, but it turns out it was really the fats. And I thought it was sugar because it was my husband was always making fun of me for how much sugar I used to eat. He would yep. call me an insect and, or an ant or <laughs> any other, you know. Um, That's true. The ants do love the sugar. That's right. That's a good point. <laughs> um, but um, so, but it, what got me into, really got me down into this rabbit hole of what became my new life is that concept of omega-3 fatty acids and essential fatty acids, which I hadn't heard of in my medical school. I thought fat was all like this uniformly bad thing that um, somehow fat calories were worse than other calories, because as long as you ate, you know, whatever you wanted fat free, you probably would be okay. That's and let, what and let's pause on that, that every other doctor that I have had on this show, they've all agreed. If you've studied traditional medical school education, there's no focus on nutrition. You, depending on the school you went to, maybe you got an hour uh, of, of class content. It's just skipped right over and they just breeze over because it's all about the anatomy and, uh, and organs and everything else. I mean, it sounds like it was the same thing with you. Did you get maybe a couple of hours? <laughs> yeah, well, it was one credit hour, which is, um, you know, which was uh, a whole semester and a 200-page book, but it was mostly about uh, biochemistry cycles, you know, <laughs> it wasn't really things that you could eat <laughs> and there was no pictures of, or really discussion of much of food. And, and the depth of it was basically that of a Cheerios box, you know, basically, you know, fat makes you fat, um, cholesterol clogs your arteries and salt gives you high blood pressure. That, that's about it. That's what I came away with. That's basically what dietitians learn too. So, I mean, it's not that we don't learn a, a nutrition, you can be a, a dietitian and do nothing but nutrition for two years and still not learn real nutrition. Because well, it's because the system is broken. There's the sharing the, the, the yeah. education's been sponsored by the wrong influencers. Coca-Cola and, and McDonald's. They're, yeah, they're exactly. directing that, man. Yes. And and so I mean the thing is, and this gets us back to the composition of our body fat. It's the composition of our farms, right? So you your your family's into farming. Mm -hmm. Um you probably know that um, the the history of farming in Pennsylvania had nothing to do with canola and soy a hundred years ago. Not even a hundred years ago. When I was a child, we when I went to school, we actually studied crop what crop rotation meant. Right. So the fields around my farm, we outsourced to another farm, a bigger farmer. We just let him use our fields. We weren't. The farm I grew up on in Pennsylvania, my dad just wanted us to grow up around animals. It wasn't a when I was born in New Jersey, he had a dairy farm down there. But the crops we planted was majority alfalfa, which is 
more of a you know a, a grassy plant you know a leafy plant that's what the uh the cattle everybody the, the goats they all loved it like that that was yeah. that's what you bailed into a hay bale and then put in your hay mow on the top of your barn for the winter and you would feed them grass in the winter there then you might cycle in uh because you have to rotate the soil nutrients maybe you threw corn or soybeans in once in a great while but actually corn would rape the soil i mean just destroy it i learned that as a kid really oh yeah people don't realize that it just sucks the nutrients out of the soil so huh. uh, so that's why you had to rotate you know soybeans and alfalfa back in to replenish okay. some of that this is all stuff from my my childhood <laughs> <laughs> but you're right in pennsylvania like and now all of a sudden all i see i have fields right down there from my house here all i see is either soybeans or corn every year that's the rotation i don't see anything else at and all. that's the tip of the iceberg. You fly over the country back when we used to be able to do that a month ago. Um, <laughs> you look down and you see those patchwork circles and squares in places like Montana and Iowa and like most of the country. Yeah. That isn't diversified ag. That's not broccoli. That's not uh, even probably very much alfalfa. It's a lot it's of corn, a lot of soybeans. Huge quantities of corn and soy and canola and some wheat too for the animals a little bit of some well some the canola oil is derived from a corn right. plant so and with our ethanol industry and the fuels and everything else that's that's their cash crop we've incentivized corn and, and soybean and well uh, we grow it i mean we grow more and more and more of it and that's why we eat it it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, you can talk about all the reasons that we grow all this stuff and uh, how the, the Great Depression and the land grab by huge corporations probably played a role into it. But all of that stuff aside, we now grow almost nothing but corn and soy. And we do grow a lot of wheat too. Mm -hmm. But I think that's 85% of our entire agricultural production are, are those three crops. Maybe there's one more. But that's the problem. So we eat more of it. And not only do we eat it, our animals now eat it. And so not only do we have abnormal fatty acid profiles, animals fed these things also have abnormal fatty acid profiles. And guess what? They're sick from it. They're metabolically ill. Oh, yeah. Cows don't live as long as they used to when they're, or as they can when they're fed grass. I'm, I'm, right. And, and I, I know that I know if a, a vegan or a vegetarian listens to this episode, you're probably not going to like us, but Hey, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to tell the truth. And <laughs> this is truth, not propaganda. This is uh, if I wanted to, for example, the steer I have in my freezer was mostly pasture raised, but a lot of farms still feel it right before it goes to slaughter, we got to fatten them up. So then they mix in silage and a grain mixture towards the end of life to fatten them up. So it's like, okay, do you realize, do you realize, <laughs> oh, cause you got to have good marbling. I'm like an animal already naturally has a certain percentage of fat cells. You said at the beginning of the show, just like human beings, it's already got the right stuff in its anatomy, the way it was born, the way it grew, as long as you fed it right. So I just found another farm near me that does 100% pasture raising. I just submitted an order yesterday. It's like, next time you got something going to slaughter, I'm taking a quarter. And they said they don't do any grain finishing. They said, no, we do a sustainable raise. We do a harvesting. So we only kill when it's time throughout the year. And we make sure that we feed them baled hay in the winter. So they, their fields are, they're growing alfalfa. They're baling the grass and the alfalfa. So these animals can eat what they want in the winter, not this corn crap mixture grain stuff. So, I, I mean, it is it, what, that is what I support. And it's not just because it's more nutritious. It's because vegans and vegetarians have not cornered the market on caring about animals and animal welfare. No. Yes, I, I will eat meat. 
but I still care about how the animals were treated. And exactly. it makes me, it hurts me to know how many millions of pigs are living in squalor, being fed, you know, rotting corn and soy silage. Oh God, down, down in the Carolinas, indoors, those big in the factory dark. farms. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's, I that's why I love small to mid-sized farms. Because that's what this country was founded on. Yeah, it's just, the, and, it's just like what's going on with the whole small business craze, small, 49% of our economy is run by small businesses. What do you think farms are? Farms are small businesses. They, they fall under the same umbrella. Fascinating that you said 49% because I was just going to quote another statistic. At the turn of the last century in 1900, um, 50% of people lived on a farm, a small farm. There we go. <laughs> so we've I gone didn't even from... know that. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that at the Orlando Art Museum. I love that. Um, <laughs> there was a picture of a uh, a dude um, watering corn with a gas tank, and the corn was growing little ears of keyboards, like coming out. It's really cool art. That's kind of cool you, art, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, at the turn of the century, fifty percent of Americans lived on farms, and now I, I I would be willing to bet that like it's similar, like. The, those that was that was our small business, right? That was America. What made what made America great was the fact that we were founded on small business farmers. We were self sufficient people. We knew how to make good food. Mm -hmm. That's what made us great. Because and that's actually, by the way, a huge reason why a lot of English people left England, like in, from England, English people, yeah. they left because of laws that changed around the time of those migrations that made it harder for them to be self-sufficient in food. So they wanted to come to this country where they could be self-sufficient. That's what made America great. That's why my grandparents, my great grand, my grandmother is still alive. She's 100 and gonna, going, going to be 103 wow. this year. Um, and she work. doesn't take any medications. Um, she's also stone deaf or she lost her hearing. That's the only organ that doesn't function. And I think that really helps with longevity. I think so. She gets to, <laughs> she gets to tune out all the idiocy going on. So, but my, you know, none of my grandparents needed glasses. They didn't need braces. And, and this is what I talk about in deep nutrition, which is the first book that my husband and I wrote together. Um, and, and uh, we talk about how the change in our economy and the change in the way we feed ourselves and, our, and the food we eat, not just the fact that we you know, eat processed food, but even the animal products are different. All those changes have translated down generations into damaged genetics and dysfunctional genes. And so it's, it's amazing to understand that a lot of things that have that you might think are in your family history it's in your diet even things like cancer even things like osteoporosis and arthritis and uh, alzheimer's and parkinson's if you have ha if the ability to improve your diet you can make your genes work better but if if your parents and grandparents you know were able to live in their in their hundreds and now you know people these days, you, it's hard to find elderly folks that are that elderly that are really capable of living by themselves. Hmm. But it wasn't uncommon. If you were 80 or 90 in Hawaii, when I was growing up and uh, not growing up, when I lived in Hawaii about 10 years ago, most of the people in their 80s lived independently. Oh. Most of them, because they grew up just like my grandmother um, did with healthy genes. Mm -hmm. 
because they grew up very self-sufficient. My grandmother came from like Russian peasant stock, like on a farm. I mean, they were totally self-sufficient. So she came into the world with a ton of genetic wealth. And that's a term that we, that we talk about that helps to understand why some people seem to be able to abuse their bodies and yet perform fantastic at a high level. They have a strong foundation. Yeah. yeah and, at and the genetic I, level. <laughs> I also, like they, I work, they, they probably got like yeah. supercharged mitochondria, uh, you know, <laughs> in the middle of those cells, man. Because I, I, I love talking about mitochondria because people understand like, that's the power plant of your cells. And it's like, guys, if you feel your body right and if you have a good baseline of genetics, yeah, you are kind of like somewhat superhuman. It's, it's pretty impressive what people can pull off when you have the right health behind you. And I actually, I worked with the Lakers for six years. So we, we redesigned yeah. their diet. And, I, you know, when you get those folks with fantastic genetics to be fueling their mitochondria with the right kinds of fats, which was a big part of what we did, we got them to eat, you know, get them totally off of the seed oils and eating, you know, dairy fat and other animal fat. And- but Dr. Kate, they're already peak athletes. <laughs> they, they don't, they, they can handle anything, can't they? <laughs> they could handle a whole lot more when you get them fueling with the right foods and they don't have, they don't want to have these hypoglycemia symptoms either. It, it makes it hard to concentrate during a game when your blood sugar is crashing and you get this adrenaline, you get like, you have to release more adrenaline just to be able to get your energy up. So you have to dig really deep to get your second wind and your third wind. But that adrenaline makes you angry and it makes you like, you know, misbehave also, or it makes you not listen to your coach or not be able to, you know, perform at your top mentally either. And that's a whole other thing that's waiting for you when you get your metabolism right, is that your brain, you don't even know who you are until you fix your damaged metabolism and get your brain at a steady supply of energy you, Dave Asprey talks about this. He increased his IQ by 15 points. And that is entirely believable in my book because when your brain is suffering from energy deficits, how is it going to work properly? Well, isn't, what is the percentage? 80% of your brain tissue is fat cells. And so your brain technically needs fat to feel itself. Hello, healthy brain. Yeah, healthy I mean, fats, it's, you know. by weight, it is the most fatty organ <laughs> other than actual fat. Yeah. <laughs> but then if we starve ourselves of healthy fats and replace them with the bad fats, you're not fueling your brain at all. If anything, you're, you're starving the brain. So, well, your so. brain becomes dependent on sugar. And it's a metabolic sugar addiction that I talk about in the fat burn fix, which is what traps people in this cycle of you know, weight loss and then weight regain because they've never fixed their metabolic sugar addiction. Yeah. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this, I mean, I'll have this all linked on the show, I said, but fatburnfix.com is another uh, quick way to get right to the new book and everything is linked on Amazon. Uh, actually, all of your books are on Amazon, right? Yeah. Yes. Thanks, it. Scott. There they are. Boom. Deep nutrition, <laughs> food rules. It's all here. These are all going to be put into my, uh, I have an influencer page, uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to livethefuel.com and you click on the Amazon banner, it goes to that. And I have a whole section where all of my books like yours, Dr. Kate, will be, as well as it's all my book recommendations. So it makes it an easy place for everybody to go and they can find all of it. So everybody who's ever been on this show, who's been an author, like they're all in there. So Kate, awesome. all yours are going in there. Thank you. That's <laughs> so, great. Well, you got, sometimes you got to make it easier for people. So, but keep going. Um, I, by the way, we're at the top of the hour. Are you good for a couple more minutes? Yes, I'm fine. Okay, good. I just have to get another show ready in, in 15. So, but let's spend another five or so on this. Yeah, so I, I guess a good uh, segue to the thing that the fat burn fix does that 
no other diet does actually is it assesses your metabolic health. No other diet book, I should say, right? Because we still have to call, even though it's not a diet, we still have to call these the genre. So Amazon makes us say diet book. Because oh, um, <laughs> they know so much. <laughs> but it, we, I, I, I have a fat burn uh, factor quiz which is my way of helping you understand your current state of metabolic health. And it's a test that gives you a score between zero and a hundred. If it's a hundred, you're a fantastic fat burner. And if it's zero, you're really not burning fat very much at all, if ever. And your metabolism is very damaged and you need to go through the plan in a different way at a different rate and take slightly different steps than if you are a fantastic fat burner wanting to lose weight. Um, so, so it's the, it's so important to know whether or not you're really good at burning your body fat, because if you're not, it means, for example, you are not ready to do things like intermittent fast, even though intermittent fasting is a fantastic thing. And I do it myself. Not everybody can do it. Actually, for some people, it will deepen their metabolic problems if they start doing it while they're still metabolically damaged. Uh -huh. The same with the keto diet. If you, you know, because it's so uh, popular now, it's super easy to find keto recipes and I recommend them just because they are generally going to be recipes that are high in the clean, burning, healthy fats that your body needs and free of the polyunsaturated seed oil. So that's why I often tell people just go look for, you know, keto casserole, or if you've got uh, broccoli and chicken, you don't know what to do with it. Google keto broccoli chicken recipe, and you'll find a thousand things now, but it's not that you need to follow a keto diet for your entire life or even at all. It's just that it's a shortcut shorthand way of finding recipes that have lots of healthy fat in them, which you need if you are metabolically damaged to help fix your hormones. So when you are metabolically damaged, um, one of the things that you need to fix is get your insulin level down. That's why earlier I said, if you don't know what insulin resistance is, you probably have it. Your insulin level, if you're insulin resistant, your insulin level is high all the time. And that means it's hard for you um, to, for your body fat to release back into circulation so that your cells can burn it, right? Your body fat doesn't magically melt away no, off no. your body when you exercise it has to be released into your bloodstream and sent to your muscles so that you're exercising he says that muscles. all the time exercise is a terrible way to lose weight <laughs> <laughs> and you'll you won't lose it you won't burn body fat or you won't burn much if you are metabolically damaged even if you're exercising all the time because that insulin locks the fat calories in your body fat doesn't get released. So a keto diet is one useful tool to helping your insulin drop, but it's, it, you're not ready for a keto diet. If you are metabolically damaged to the extent that you get hungry between that you get hungry or you get the low carb flu, right? The low carb flu means you're metabolically damaged and just pushing past that is not possible for everyone. Some people can do it. Mm -hmm. Some people can, and that means they were metabolically healthy enough to go on a keto diet. But a huge portion of people can't, and they or they start snacking because really they weren't ready for that keto diet. So their body is just taking the protein. They need in their more. They need snacks. more preparation. It goes back to yes. my point on the timeline thing, right? Like not everybody's okay. timeline is going to be at the same rate of ascension or, or progression. Right? You might have to do a little more groundwork, a little more rebuilding of the foundation. Exactly. And so that's what I have two phases in the plan that talks about um, the baby steps phase for folks who are more metabolically damaged, you need to spend more time in taking those baby steps. And if you're not quite so metabolically damaged, then you can jump right into a keto diet. But the two phases are 
fix your metabolism and then burn your body fat. And if you have a really high fat burn factor, you can just start right into cutting calories by intermittent fasting. That's what I like your equation. I I think because if I could generalize it, it's this is I've reminded I've learned this over the years too. like, I've never had this issue as a problem because I've always been on my game for the most part. But I remind people that don't anything worth having in life (laughs) takes time. Right. (laughs) So if you've if you've taken all this time to break yourself, then you need to take the necessary amount of time to rebuild yourself and be patient with the process. And I know that's easy for me to say, but uh, we're very big on psychology and mindset on this show too. And this is part of that process, right? Yes, that's the key part. And you will get results. It's not like you're going to be working for no reward. You're going to feel immediate energy, mental energy that oh, you yeah. that you've been deprived of. So, so there's an immediate reward. It's just we have to take the focus off of the number on the scale and turn it inward to getting in touch with how are you feeling? How are your how are your moods? Because your moods are going to be better. Yeah, you- if you're living off of the scale, but you feel like crap, maybe something's not working. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're, you you bought the scale to make yourself feel better and show you progress. But then <laughs> if you're feeling like crap along the whole journey, something's not working. So this, the scale is not going to make right. you feel better. So exactly. Uh, redirect. I, Time to redirect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've loved this, Dr. K. And, and again, actually, I'm going to screen share one more time for the video feed. Again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this will all be on the Amazon influencer page again. But you can also just go right to fatburnfix.com and get the book there. But she's got all the stuff listed on her site, too, which is drkate.com. And as I hinted before, all the books are on Amazon. So I, everybody goes to Amazon these days. But, <laughs> uh, but everything is here. I love this. Uh, she's been on countless other podcasts. I'll be, I'll, you know what? I'm going to make a note for my VA to link some of your more recent shows that I've heard you on, like on Vinny's show and other people's. Oh, because in the Google world, they like to see everything linking up. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, but, uh, and then down the road, uh, I'm excited to see if you put together some type of virtual summit or something. We talked around about that before the show and, and to see if there's a way to pull that off. And I got connections on people if you ever need to talk strategy on that. So, cause like I said, I'm working on a couple of projects for that right now. So, uh-huh. but I asked my guest co-hosts to help close the show out and you know, we've already done a great job talking more about you and your background, the book. And this is, I'm excited by the way, I really hope this book makes a lot of impacts cause I've already skimmed through it and I'm, I'm impressed. So, <laughs> but, but again, I, I know, maybe I know more than some people. So I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited to use it as a resource to help other people. Uh, but I, I, as the guest co-host, I asked you guys just to help close the show out, some final words. Uh, but really, nowadays, it's actually become almost like some people use it as a legacy message. They realize, like, listen, everything that I've learned, everything that I've done, the books I've produced, the basketball teams that I've worked with, the people that I'm trying to help from a healthy perspective, like, is there something you, you want to put out there just to sum it all up in case they forget everything else we talked about today? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I would say um, first, actually, I need to say that the book is on Audible too. So if you're a podcast oh, addict, then huge you can Audible hear everything I've ever said. <laughs> I already have the book on Audible. So that, oh, that was my great. first. So that's why I, was, I had it on my watch list. I was like, please tell me she's launching Audible. And then as soon as it hit, that's my game. So. Oh, great. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, the thought that I want to leave people with is that um, food used to be this like holy transcendental sensation. It wasn't just about energy. It was about connecting with your family and your environment. It was about how good you could make something taste, how much time you could spend 
in the kitchen, how much time you could spend, you know, prepping the animals yourselves, growing your own food. And we have completely turned, that is the thing that we need to turn upside down. They talk about turning the food pyramid upside down. If we could turn our pri our food priority upside down and get back to where we have been for our entire human history until like the industrial era when TV shows told us that, um, you know, the kitchen was just like a place you wanted to get out of as fast as possible. You should eat microwave dinners. Um, what, before the TV told us this, we knew in our bones that if you spent time in your garden, that food was going to be good for you. I don't yeah. care what it is or whether it's, a, you know, what kind of vegetable it is. It was going to be good for you. If you raised animals yourselves and you knew that they were healthy, you knew that that food was good. Forget about saturated and all this kind of stuff. That's what matters. And that's the only thing that matters. And I would love it if we could shift the conversation away from macros and calories and to things like healthy soil and healthy plants and animals. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Listen, great words. Well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, as I hinted in the show, if you're a newer listener, farm kid. So I agree with everything she just said. And uh, trust me, my palate is quite refined thanks to my clean diet. So I know if something was raised right or not, I can, <laughs> I can taste it. So, and that goes for vegetables as well as meat. So ladies and gentlemen, Thanks for tuning in to another Live the Fuel show. So again, check out the Fat Burn Fix. Make sure you go to drkate.com, go to thefatburnfix.com. All this stuff will be linked in the show notes like we always do. And again, I remind you, you guys all, especially the newer listeners, we're here. The purpose and the founding of this show is to fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. So I'm going to continue trying to bring on amazing influencers like Dr. Kate to continue to do so. That is my responsibility that I've assumed in the world, right? This podcast is going on over four years. That's all I'm trying to do put the right content out there and help educate people and help you get further down that timeline on your own. So again, thanks for listening in. And remember, you took a little fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.